Five, five, four, four, three, three, two, one, one. When I had come down this hill, I had seen this creature cross the road. It would have ripped my locked door from my truck, extracted me from my vehicle, and there wouldn't have been a damn thing I could have done about it. This thing, I got to notice in its eyes. Its eyes was real, real evil, real sinister looking. Look, it was given. Sasquatch Chronicles, a place where people share their encounters. Let's start the show. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks for being here tonight. We've got a great show planned for you tonight. I have three witnesses that are going to be coming up. Everything from Oregon to Nebraska, and uh, I believe Steve's in Ohio. And very interesting encounters. All three gentlemen come from different walks of life and uh, have decided to come forward and share their encounters. So I'm really looking forward to tonight. And maybe even talk a little bit about some lights people are seeing out there in the forest. I've talked about them in the past, the the balls of light that people see from time to time. And uh, one of the witnesses tonight uh, actually has a story about the lights. That'll be coming up shortly. If you've had an encounter, shoot me an email. My email address is wes at sasquatchchronicles.com. Please send me your encounter. I'd love to uh, read it. I'd love to talk with you and uh, discuss your encounter. So if you've seen anything strange out there in the woods, please shoot me an email. Wes at SasquatchChronicles.com. And if you get a chance, go to SasquatchChronicles.com. Click on the shop link there at the top. You'll find the Sasquatch Chronicles store. There are sweatshirts, shirts, beanies, all kinds of cool stuff. I hope you're able to go in there. I hope you're able to get yourself something nice and help support the show. You can also become a member uh, for additional shows. My first guest is David, and he's a logger. He had a very, very interesting encounter. Uh, David, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, you betcha. It's nice being here, Wes. Yeah, and it's great to uh, have a neighbor. I know you're not too far from me uh, out there in off the Oregon coast. Uh, how long ago did your encounter happen? It was in January of 2002. And did it happen in Oregon? Yes, it was in southern Tillamook County, right on the Tillamook-Lincoln County line, practically. And if you would, just kind of start from the beginning. Tell us what you're out doing, and then uh, if you would, kind of walk into what you saw, what you experienced. 
Well, the day it happened, I was at work. I was driving into one of our logging jobs, and uh, there was uh, several log trucks up on the job site, and the road going in is pretty narrow, so there's not a lot of places to get out of the way if uh, you were to meet another truck. So I was looking for a spot to to get myself out of the way, and there was a, a little spur road, so I, I drove up this spur road to find a spot to park because I needed to go to the bathroom. So once I got out of the way, I parked my my rig and hiked into the trees and was doing my business, and it was a really nasty uh, January day. Uh, it's been snowing that morning, and by mid-morning, it had turned to thunderstorms and heavy rain and hail. And when this happened, it was probably about one thirty or 2 in the afternoon. And the sun had came out through the clouds for a split second. And where I was at in the trees, this call on the sunlight came through the canopy and started to shine right on a spot where I was just kind of staring at, which I thought was just a stump. And uh, what I thought was a stump ended up, it looked like it was a man staring at me through the trees, but it was covered completely with reddish brown hair. The whole thing only lasted maybe less than a minute, but it was like it was hiding from me. And the second it realized that I was looking at it, it stood up and took off up the ridge line, and it was moving really quickly, but it, it was going through the, the brush a lot better than I could go through the brush. It was just fairly quiet even. It didn't crash or anything. And every time it would go from tree to tree, it was like doing everything it could to conceal itself from me. And it was just amazing what what, what I was seeing. And what did you do next? Well, it startled me, and I jumped up, and I took off back to my rig. You know, I, I watched it till I couldn't see it anymore, which it, it didn't take it you know, very long to get out of my line of sight because it was close to a ridge top anyway. And it took off the other direction and up over the ridge and down the other side. And, of course, I was back up onto an old landing and into my rig and getting out of there. That uh, yeah, it was kind of shocking to me. Yeah, I bet. And you know, for most people, and I know the area you're talking about. And you know, for most people, David, I, it's hard to unless you live in the Pacific Northwest. It's really hard for people to understand. Even during the middle of the day, when you're under that canopy of the trees, it can be kind of dark in there. When it was in in there before the column of sunlight hit it. I just thought it was a stump. I mean, it was perfectly concealed. It was camouflaged. Um, even when the sun hit it, if if it wouldn't have moved, I still wouldn't even have noticed it. It was like it just panicked or something when it realized that I'd saw it. 
and that's when it jumped up and took off. But if it would have just continued to hold still, I wouldn't even have, have noticed it, even with the sun shining on it. And for the audience, can you describe what you saw as it stood up and looked at you? Can you describe the face and the body and just what you saw? Well, it was had kind of a human-like face with a broad nose. It was covered in, it wasn't black, it was kind of a real dark reddish-brown color. And the face itself wasn't completely covered in hair, just the top of the head, the side of the head, and then the rest of the body. But I can remember its biceps on its right arm when it was walking away. I could see through the hair and see muscle definition in its in its right arm when it was turned away and starting up the ridge line. Do you remember any facial expressions? No, I just remember the dark eyes that was the first thing I spotted when I realized it was not a stump. And for a split second, it was so human-like, I thought it was a, it was a man, but then I realized it wasn't because it was all covered in hair and you know, and it, where I was at was a pretty remote area. The chances of another person being there you know, on that particular road were pretty minimal. What was your feeling? I know you've been a logger. What was your feeling about the topic of Sasquatch prior to seeing this? Well, I had, at that point, I thought that uh, I'd worked in the woods my whole life, and I'd never seen anything that was... Uh, like a Bigfoot or anything like that. And, and I was open-minded to it, but I didn't think they would be, if they did exist, they wouldn't be on the Oregon coast. And, you know, so I never really thought about it much until that day after that happened. And then I was pretty much convinced that they are there. Yeah, no, I can imagine after something like that. It's interesting, especially its behavior. I wonder if it had been sitting there the whole time. It had to have been because, you know, from the time I was there till it happened, it, it couldn't have walked in on me without being noticed. I mean, it, I must have startled it, and it was trying to hide from me. As far as size go, when it when it stood up and walked off, how how tall would you say the thing was? Well, I'm six one, and I was kind of gauging it to be maybe my size or a little bigger. It didn't come across to me as extremely huge. But it wasn't wasn't small, you know. I'm a big guy, and it was at least as big as me. You know, and I was looking at it at probably seventy five to a hundred feet away, and uh, yeah, it, and there was a little bit of a, a draw between us. It, it dropped down and then back up the other side, so distance was a little bit deceiving. But uh, you know, I could definitely see that it wasn't like an eight-foot-tall individual. Yeah, and that's interesting to note, too. Uh, and it's, So you didn't run into King Kong. It was about your size or a little bit bigger. That's interesting. And the fact that it just got up and left. When you went back to the job site, did you tell anyone about what you saw? I didn't tell anybody for a long time about that. I just kept it to myself and never, never did tell any of the guys on the job. And it was several years before I really even opened up about it, you know, other than 
a few close friends, but uh, the first time I really said anything in front of other people about it was uh, probably seven, eight years ago. I was having lunch with some buddies in a pub, and I overheard some people in the booth next to us talking about Bigfoot. So after we had our lunch, I walked over to the table and uh, kind of introduced myself and wanted to tell them my story. Well, the one guy that was sitting at the table talking about it was Peter Byrne. So I ended up developing a pretty close friendship with Peter after that. Yeah, that's interesting. That's uh, Peter's a good man. I've I've met Peter before, and he really is a, a very nice man. And I think I remember even Peter talking about your encounter when I was at Beachfoot two years ago. Uh, he had talked about a logger that had seen one, and it's very similar to your encounter. I almost wonder if he was talking about your encounter at Beachfoot. It might have been. Cause he, he, he put a little bit of it in his last book that he wrote. After this encounter, did you ever want to go back out and look for it? Did you ever go back to that area? I actually went back with Peter then some years later and walked in there. And, of course, it wasn't real recognizable because the logs had changed in the years. And uh, we did find the spot, and Peter took some pictures and some measurements and stuff. And I hadn't been back there since. I actually ran into Peter the other night down at the pub and was talking to him about it. And him and Hal had went back in there not too long ago and said the whole area had been logged off, so nothing was the same anymore now. Yeah, it's very interesting. I wonder how many loggers actually see these things and then just keep their mouth shut when they're out on the job site. I think more than we know. <laughs> yeah, I would tend to agree with you. I think more than we know. And I, I think a lot of times those, uh, you know, loggers, they just kind of look the other way. You know, you're in, as you and I were joking about before we went on air, uh, that's a worse position to be in. Your pants are around your ankles. <laughs> you're squatted <laughs> down and all of a sudden the thing stands up. And, you know, that's, I can't think of a worse position to be in. Thank God it just took off the other direction <laughs> and walked away from you and, Left, left you alone, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was in a pretty vulnerable position. <laughs> well, I sure appreciate you coming on. I appreciate. I re enjoyed reading the uh, encounter, and I wish more loggers would come on. They're they're probably harder to get on the show than cops. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, they're way harder to get on the show to get a logger to come on and talk about it. But I sure appreciate you coming on and and sharing it with the audience, David. You betcha. My pleasure, Wes. And again, if you've had an encounter, shoot me an email. My email address is wes at sasquatchchronicles.com. Let me know what you've seen. Let's jump to Steve, who had an encounter in Ohio. Steve, welcome to the show. I really appreciate you being here tonight. Thanks for having me. I know you, you saw one when you were younger, and then recently when you were out hunting, you ran into one. Maybe start from the beginning about this property Tell us about the encounter when you were younger, and uh, what were you doing, and, and if you would, just kind of walk into what you saw. All right, yeah. So I was probably, uh, I want to say seven or eight, right around there. It wasn't wasn't very old. It would be like late at night, and I'd be sleeping, and I'd just have this over overwhelming feeling that I'd have to wake up and look out my window. 
And this went on for a long time. And for a little while, I would just kind of ignore it. And then the feeling got stronger. So then I would wake up and I would look out my window. And I, I think it's a, a maple tree. I'm not sure, but there's a tree right outside my bedroom window. And like three quarters of the way up in the top of the tree, there'd be this, I'm not really even sure how to describe it. I guess it just looks like a like an overgrown gorilla. It had uh, like red shine on, on its eyes. I, I still don't know what that's from. Uh, the face on it, uh, it had like a like that gorilla nose, like the the flared hooded nose. Uh, the skin was like all leathery, like like a baseball glove. It was crazy. What was the creature doing? Was it at the window, or where did you see it at? No, no, no. the that tree is. I want to say maybe six and a half, seven yards from my bedroom window, and it was up in the tree, and it had its one arm wrapped around the, the tree trunk and kind of leaned forward a little bit. But it wouldn't do anything most time. But sometimes it would, like, curl its lip and show its teeth. Did it look more human-like? Did it look more animal-like? That's the weird thing about it. Like, if you just looked from, I'd say, like, where the neck should be down, it looked like a like an NFL middle linebacker almost. I mean, it was just ripped. You could, like, see the, the muscle definition under the fur, but the part that really struck me was, like, the hair color was, like, a, not like a white, but like a light charcoal color. And as you looked into its face, I mean, that that's the part that I'm interested in. Was it more gorilla-like? Was it more animal-like? I, I would say more, more like a gorilla, just because of the way the nose was. But the eyes, they were so big. They were like saucers. Yeah, and that's interesting, especially seeing the the red eye shine that people talk about. I like I listen to your show a lot while I'm at work, and I've heard a couple other guys on your show say that. And what you were saying is probably from the from the light, because uh, we have a mercury light on the back of the garage. So I was just wondering if it was, might have been because of the light. Yeah, it's hard to say. I know a lot of times with uh, witnesses I've spoken to in the past that had these things around their property, like the guys from the Siege of Hanabia, they talked about if you shine different lights at them, you'll actually get a different color eye shine. Sometimes they would mention seeing yellow eye shine. Sometimes they would mention seeing green eye shine. I think even a couple times they mentioned seeing red eye shine. And what the brothers started figuring out was it really depended on the light you hit them with. When you hit them with a certain light, you get a certain color back. And that's really true, really, with all animals out there. Depending on the light you hit them with, you'll get a different eye shine color back. Now, did you tell anyone about your encounter? Uh, yeah. The, the one when I was little, no. But the one when I was older and hunting, yeah. Now, tell us about that. This, this is where it kind of gets interesting. You've lived on this property your whole life, and you actually hunt this property... Tell us what you're out doing, and tell us what you saw. This is many years later, of course, but if you would, kind of start from the beginning. Well, this was two years ago, in 2014. I was a senior in high school. Uh, just got out of school at 2.30. I figured I'd go out hunting behind my house like I normally do. So I put all my hunting stuff on and walked out into the woods. 
and I I got this strange feeling that it was too quiet out there. Like I'm sure you know what I, what I mean. Like where there's no crickets or birds or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. I was kind of like, well, that's kind of odd. And I just kind of shook it off and, and kept walking until I got to my stand. Well, I climbed up in my stand like I normally do. And then probably, I want to say, maybe 45 minutes to an hour, I was in my stand. And the sun hadn't quite started to set, but it was on its way to setting. And I, like I told you in the emails, we were having trouble with the neighbors trying to cut my stand down and ruining all of our hunts and stuff. So I was sitting up in my tree stand looking for deer, and I hear, like, these wood knocks and, like, all kinds of strange sounds, and I thought it was the neighbors. So being a, a smart-ass kid, I took my buck grunt and started grunting at them. And uh, to that, I get wood bangs, like, it almost like you take like a like a wooden baseball bat and just beat the crap out of the side of a tree. So then I would take my hunting knife and I would bang it on the side of my tree, and then they would do it, and then I would do it, and then it would stop. And then it would get dark, and I would go in the house. And this went on probably for three days. Uh, then on the on the fourth day, it happened again, and it was. The whole time, it was so quiet in the woods. I didn't hear a bird, a squirrel, not nothing. Well, we were all out there, my neighbor, my dad, and me. Sun was just going down. And like I said, my email, you can hunt like half an hour past sundown in Ohio. So I was going to stay out a couple more minutes to see if my neighbor and dad would push anything to me because they hunt to my left and behind me. He was like, well, I'll hang out for a couple minutes, see if you push anything over to me. And I said, all right. So uh, they go in, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, well, apparently they didn't push anything, so I'm going to climb down and go in. So I, I climb, I stand up, put my cushion over my shoulder, and pull my stuff in my pocket like I always do, lower my bow down, swing my leg out to grab the ladder, and... Uh, I think that tree stand was like 15 feet up. So I was just on the top. Like I took like two steps out of the tree stand onto the ladder. And my hunter sense kicked in and I just caught something on the corner of my eye. And I happened to turn my head up and look. And here the thing is like 30 yards where I'm facing to my left. And it just, it was so big and it didn't notice me at first. Cause I was in, you know, I was in all my camouflage and had my, my face painted up and everything. But I guess, I don't know, it must have hurt me or something. And then it looked right at me. Oh. It looked right at me. And as soon as it looked at me, my eyes got real big. And I got real scared. But the part that I can't understand about it is it made the same, like, oh crap face that I made. That's really interesting. I really wanted to get into what you saw. But prior to that, when you were banging on the trees and stuff, did you just think it was your neighbors giving you crap? Yeah, I, I thought it was my neighbors. They were, like I said, they were always out there trying to ruin our hunts. And so when you saw this thing, can you describe what you saw? Oh, yeah. It had like a, kind of like a chocolate, like a dark chocolate colored coat of fur. 
the like the hair, the fur, it wasn't real long. Uh, I want I want to say because I have a German Shepherd. I want to say uh, just a little bit longer, maybe like a medium German Shepherd coat. Uh, but it didn't have any hair on the top of its hand or, like, the top of its foot or really in the face at all. It didn't have any hair. And was it like the one you saw when you were younger? Was it kind of gorilla-looking, or did it look like – what did it look like? Yeah, it did It, it did look gorilla. It had, the, had the, like, the flared gorilla-looking nose. The face was all leathery. Uh, it had really, really big mouth. Like, I – I, I can't. I thought about it earlier before we called, and I was trying to figure out what kind of animal I could compare the size of this thing's mouth to, and I can't figure out anything. Yeah, and you hear that from a lot of witnesses. You hear them talk about, you know, the witnesses that I've I've spoken with that have uh, had up close and personal encounters. Uh, they've likened it to you could put a softball in its mouth, and it, there would still be room for it to eat. Yeah, I would buy that. The thing's mouth is huge. And so what happened next? You guys are at this stare-off. What, what happens next? Well, my, my uh, I would say we probably stared back and forth at 30 yards for maybe five seconds. And then it didn't run, which was kind of alarming. It just casually swung from, like, its shoulders to its knees all in one shot right to the left and, and kind of started walking down the trail that I had to take to get out of the woods to get back to my house. Well, it took like two two or three steps and stopped like mid-step, like its foot was in the air and like shoulders were turned back over. Almost like the potty film. Like, you know how it like looks over at the camera? Yeah. At this point, I was halfway down my ladder so I started climbing down again because I I don't know if I was in, in shock and I thought it was my dad or, or something, but I yelled out. I was like, Dad! And then it just took like two steps and started. Is it? I don't want to say it ran, but I want to say it, it, it started picking up some speed. It disappeared like around the little brush stack that was there on the edge of the trail. And I took my hunting knife out and cut the rope that was holding my bow up grabbed my bow, threw my rage hunting arrow in there. I don't know if you guys know what rage is, but basically what it is, it's a, it's a kill tip for animals. Uh, it's two one-inch razor blades on either side. So when it pops open, it makes a two-inch gash through whatever it hits. So I felt, felt fairly confident, and if I hit this thing, then I would do some pretty good damage. But I grabbed my bow, I threw that in there, and I started chasing after it. Well, when we got, like, around around the bend, it opens up, probably, like, a 1,000 yards. You can see uh, 7 and 14, which is the road that connects them to my road. You can see that through the woods. And then there's my tree stand through, like, the brush stack. And then kind of diagonal back to my right as the trail came off of. But I got into a big opening, and I couldn't find it. Yeah, that's a little scary, especially when it's supposed to be there. Well, I kind of knew instantly what I was looking at when I was in my stand, but it didn't really sink in. 
until I couldn't see it. And then just this instinctual, like, oh, crap, you need to get out of here kind of kicked in. So then at this point, I was, I was probably, I want to say, 100 yards from my uh, from my backyard to where my house is. So I started walking, with, but I never turned my back to where I thought it might have been. Like, I faced it and walked. See, this makes this sounds kind of crazy, but this is the best thing I could think of at the time. I was like backing up, but when I was backing up, I was walking in like a circle, like looking, covering my back and looking up in like all directions, trying to find this thing. And did you ever see it again? No, but I did hear it again before I got out of the woods. Like I could hear like cracking branches and brushes shaking and crap. Well, at this point, I went from scared to really really mad like i was just i was really mad that this thing was was trying to do whatever it was doing so i went from like predator mode i guess in the i mean from prey mode into predator mode and when it would start shaking the bushes i would just yell at it i'd be like i was like you might get me but i'm gonna hurt you and then like it starts shaking the bushes and i would like take a couple steps forward and then it would stop and then i will start walking back again and they'll do it again and I'll yell and then I'll take a couple steps forward towards the bushes and we did this the whole rest of the way out of the woods do you still go hunting back there no no I don't I still go hunting but I don't go out there anymore yeah I don't blame you and it's it's scary to run into one of these things especially you're not really sure how they're going to react or what they're going to do and it ran off it probably ran in the bushes and dived down to its belly that's probably why you didn't see it. And then as you're, it probably followed you back to the house as it's pranking branches and just kind of showing you a display of, of what it could do. Do you ever hear them around that property? Do you ever hear anything late at night, early in the morning, just strange vocalizations? Well, my, at my buddy's house, he lives about a 16th of a mile down the road. They have a, a lot of coyotes down there. Every once in a while, they're down there. The 10 o'clock curfew whistle will go off, and the coyotes will go off. Every once in a while, we'll catch something. We're like, it doesn't doesn't sound right. That's, like, too deep and just just off a little bit. I'd be real careful, man, going out there. Uh, Obviously, it didn't really show you aggression. I love how you saw the expression on its face, that kind of, oh, crap. It reminds me of an encounter I heard a long time ago. This father and son were walking through the woods, and they were coming back from a hunting trip. As they were coming around this bend, the father says this large, very large, what he thought was a gorilla at first, stepped out of the woods, and they almost bumped into each other. And the dad's about, I think he's like 6'5". He puts his arm back to protect his son, and he said he had this, oh, shit look on his face when he saw this thing. But the fascinating part about the encounter is the creature did the same thing. Its eyes got real big, and it kind of put its head back when it saw them, and it kind of had, it just had this, oh, crap look on its face, and he said it almost looked embarrassed, the the facial features it was giving, like it was embarrassed, and it took like five steps back. He said it just took five steps backwards, the exact way it came, and disappeared, like the brush swallowed it as it's stepping farther and farther back into the brush. 
Uh, and it's interesting that you kind of had the same thing as you're getting down from your ladder and you guys make eye contact. You had that surprised look on your face and it has a, that surprised look on its face. Uh, it's just interesting. It just fascinates me. See, the part that I don't understand is I know this thing had to weigh over 500 pounds at least. And I pride myself pretty good on being able to hear and sense animals coming in when I'm hunting. I didn't hear this thing or see it at all. And from where it came in, I, I was looking over there. I would have had to have seen the damn thing. Yeah, well, it's not hard to get tricked by, by Mother Nature. Uh, you know, some of the, the mountain lions we have out here, man, are huge. When I say small tigers, I'm not joking. Some of them are huge out here. And you'd be hard-pressed to ever hear them. Uh, and they're on four legs, not two. And you'd be real hard-pressed to ever hear one. Uh, by the time you hear one, it's probably too late or they're right on top of you. And I think that's the way most predators move in the forest. Uh, that I've been out with really skilled hunters, and you would never hear these guys coming. There's nothing in the woods that would ever hear these guys coming. And so I think if you're you're in that predator mode, you're in that being the dominant predator, you tend to move more silently through the forest. With these things, it's after they've been caught or they're following you or... Then they seem to throw a fit, start breaking branches. They'll pace you out. They'll make it really. Yeah, it seems kind of mad. Yeah, they'll make it really obvious they're pacing you out. You know, they'll stomp their feet. They'll do different displays, and they don't try and hide when they're leaving. If you listen to most encounters, especially on the show, what you'll find is most people never hear them prior to the encounter. It's only after the encounter that they do these displays. They'll make a lot of noise. They'll vocalize they'll scream and yell they'll do different things but prior to the encounter most I, most witnesses never even hear them or see them coming until they're right on top of them well, have you ever uh have you ever seen them show their teeth that's that's what i think about like when i think about my encounters from when i was younger it's just when it would show its teeth like second i do that i'll roll into my covers and like hide i personally haven't seen them show their teeth but i have talked to a lot of witnesses i know the guy i know the gentleman i had on friday he talked about uh running into them back i think it was kentucky it was land between the lakes that general area but he was talking about how he was he saw them it curled its lip up and showed it showed its teeth to him and that really scared him but i, I personally have not seen it no well you don't want to yeah no i i probably don't i'll take your word for it I really do appreciate you coming on, man, and sharing the encounter. It was an interesting encounter. It'd be interesting to take a look around your property. I know, you know, you're more of a hunter than a Bigfoot guy, but it would be interesting to go look around the property, see if you could find tracks, see if you could find different things going on and around that property. Well, see, I did that. Uh, I was listening to your shows, and I remember you saying a couple times that you need to not let them ruin the wood. They need to go back out there. So that's, like I told you last night, took my AK and my uh, my Glock 40 out with me, and I was looking for, like, tracks and stuff where I saw it. I mean, it, was, it happened a long time ago, but I figured maybe since it goes through there, I might see something. It was more to just, like, try and comfort myself. Like, I guess I wanted to try and see it again to just know that I wasn't crazy. The whole time I was out there, I was almost in tears. I was shaking so uncontrollably. 
going back to a place like that will definitely do it to you. Did you, were you able to find anything? Uh, I found, like, it was like a, like a tunnel in the thorn bushes, but that's, I can't really say the way because well, the deer around that area, they like to lay in the thorn bushes to hide. So, I mean, it could have, it could have been anything, but the, the tunnel, it seemed pretty, pretty big. Well, keep your eyes and your ears open, and if anything else happens on that property, let me know, will you? Oh, yeah, I'll give you a call. I appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks for having me. appreciate it. Love the show. Next up, I want to welcome Seth to the show. And Seth's family actually has a cabin out there in Nebraska, uh, and they've had some strange activity really recent going on and around the cabin. Seth, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here tonight. Thank you. And if you would, I know your your grandparents had a cabin in uh, Nebraska. Can you tell us about this cabin and what you experienced up up at this cabin? Um, yeah, like uh, this cabin. I guess it's been my grandparents bought it sometime in like 1990. So it's been we've been up there. I've been up there since I was a kid, and like. Nothing, nothing ever seemed out of the ordinary ever there until just, it would have been just recently this summer. And it was me, me, one of my friends, and uh, we ended up, me and, uh, me and this, uh, I guess, girlfriend were talking about going up there, and she asked if she could bring one of her friends. So the three of us ended up going up to this cabin Well, we got up there in the dark. And I usually, like, even as a kid, we were never outside at the cabin after dark anyways. Like, the most that we sat outside after dark at the cabin was you turned the yard light on that was lit up down below where the cabin is, and we'd watch bats and stuff. And that was the most you'd ever be out at night. Well, uh, we got to the cabin and there's a parking lot that is a area that's just more or less flattened out on the top of one of these, of the hill behind the cabin aways. We had parked the car up there and it's probably a good, I'd say hundred yards from the cabin. And we parked the car up there and walked down with just phones of flashlights to the cabin to unlock the cabin and that got lights turned on in the cabin. The girl seen seen a puzzle, so she started doing a puzzle and me and the other guy went up to start unloading the car. We'd brought him down probably I'd say at least two or three handfuls of stuff. Well, all while both times leaving the trunk of the car open, the last load that we went to go up for, he went to go, I went to go get, there was still like one, one or two bags in the trunk of food and the cooler. And then he had a bag of clothes and like phone charger and stuff in the back seat of the car. And as we went up there to go get it, like, I was in the trunk getting that stuff, and I ended up finding uh, finding a little flashlight. Well, he said he needed it, so I gave him 
this little one of them little like LED that take only three AAA batteries. He's using that to look in the back seat trying to find his phone charger. And as I've got my back turned to the wood line, going to grab the last bag, uh, the bag's like opened, and I can see stuff is not in the bag. And I was kind of like, oh, whatever. Thought that it just from pulling stuff out of the car, we had moved the bag and maybe spilled the stuff in the back of the pickup or back of the trunk. So I picked the stuff out of the trunk, put it back in that bag. And about that time, I hear this like super loud, like, like just a guess of what it sounded like for the big of the stick that broke was the thing had to have been at least probably two inches across. And it was healthy, big stick just snapped. My instant, my first instinct was I just kind of like froze because it was right behind me, like not even maybe 10 yards behind me where the wood line started. And it was somewhere in the wood line. And I just kind of stopped and was like waiting for something else, like sitting here waiting for either another stick break, waiting to hear something, nothing. Well, I looked over the car at him and he wasn't bent down looking in the back seat of the car anymore. He was kind of standing up and looking off in the direction of me and kind of at an angle off to my right up behind me. He just kind of stands there, looks a little bit, and then kind of goes back to digging in the car. And as I start grabbing the bags and that, and the bags are rustling again, I hear sounds like something shuffling through the brushes. Like anytime I'd moved and started to make noise, I hear something shuffle and I kind of stop. And I look back there again and I look back to this kid and he's standing up again, looking over there. He shined his light up over there and like no eyes, nothing, didn't see anything. But I just got this creepy, creepy feeling that like as we're both looking over there, I got this feeling just like to look away. And so I look away, and I look back at him, and I was like, dude, quit. Stop. And he's just like, what? I was like, put your hand over there. I was like, do you got your stuff? Are you ready to go back to the cabin? And he just takes off running. Like, that was all that was said. He just takes off sprinting towards the cabin with the flashlight. And, I mean, I had the, for some reason, like, had this instinct of, I guess, fear or whatever that I just wanted to run to. And I see that I turn around after I say that and I hear him take off running and I'm just kind of like, uh, crap, I guess we're going to the cabin. So I just grab that stuff quick. And I mean, I shut the trunk kind of hard. So it was loud to try to make a loud noise to maybe scare what it was, if it was an animal or something. And I just slowly made my way to the cabin trying to act like I wasn't scared. And we get down to the, I get down to the cabin and Steve's asking me what took so long, why I stayed up there so long. He's the one that first brought up and he's like, dude, I think, I think he's like, I think it might be, he's like, I think there's something up here. He's like, it's, it's either a person or something. He's like, I heard, sounded like a person walking down the hill. He's like, I could hear it every time you were messing with stuff. He's like, over top of you messing with the bag in the trunk, I could hear the sound of something 
sounded like a person, like almost like they're dragging their feet, kind of shuffling down the side of the hill through the brush, like they were trying to sneak up on us. I was like, my grandparents know we're up here. I was like, when we were younger, my uncle, and my uncle only lives like maybe five miles from where that cabin is. And even though, even though him and I don't get along anymore, I could still see him knowing that we're up there and just going up there to screw around or try to scare us. And that's what he would do every once in a while was he'd sit there and sneak up on us as kids and try to scare us. Then we're sitting there and we kept, like I told him, we started talking more and I kept telling him that stuff that had just like weird stuff and strange stuff that had happened up there before. And almost everything he could come up with something he thought it might be or explanation of that, which that's one of them was, I remember when I was little hearing this weird, I want to call it a howl because it was me and my little brother were outside and like doing the same thing. It was dark watching the bats fly by that light to get bugs. And I mean, I don't even know how to explain the thing other than after, like I never thought anything of it until after this next uh, thing happened, which it would have been like a couple weeks later, which would have been the 4th of July weekend. My brother had a party up there. In that same parking lot, they had probably eight or so cars just crammed up in there. And we're all down at the cabin. And one of his friends and the guy's uh, girlfriend had gotten in an argument. And they were up by the back, up by his pickup. She was sitting in the pickup in the on the tailgate of the pickup and he was standing there talking to her while they were facing she would have had her back turned to the same hill that I had my back turned to and he was facing it he was this was I'd already told my mom that I thought somebody was up at the cabin messing with us that uncle was supposedly out of town because he works in uh, a different state so sometimes he's not even around. And that's what she said was that he wasn't, wasn't in town. Cause I told her that was my first, more or less my first thought was that it was him messing around. Like nothing went of thought of it and nothing more until it would have been actually, it would have been two weeks later from that when my mom found out from this friend of my brother's when they were setting up there, like, I guess, I don't know if they were still arguing or if he was trying to talk her down to come back to the cabin. But as he was talking to his girlfriend, he heard pretty much the same thing, like explained when my mom explained it, what he'd said, like same thing we heard, like you could hear stick breaks and stuff shuffling down the hill and got right up close to the base of the hill, but still up far enough where it was in cover of brush. And he said it got real close and had a real loud stick break. And then he heard something like, thought he heard something growl. And that's what caught his attention more. So he was standing there and told him and his he told his girlfriend that he heard something and is standing there looking up there and thought he saw the outline of a person standing there. And his only comment was that this person was way bigger than him. 
And he was probably the biggest guy other than my brother at this party. And my brother and him were about same height as my brother. I know for sure is six six. And he said that it was a big guy. We thought it was a big guy standing there looking at him up in the brush. So he just first started brushing it off as that it was one of them messing with him until he heard the growl and a stick break. And then he that caught both of their attention and he told her that he thought he'd saw something and that he couldn't see now and told her that to go to the cabin, just head for the cabin, don't run and don't look back. Just go for the cabin. So they went to the cabin and uh nothing else was nothing else was said and nothing I don't think anything else happened, but nothing was said until a week later. And he told my mom, so it had already been two weeks from when I had told my mom, and she told me this. I was kind of like, what? She's like, yeah, and they were right, same spot as you guys were. And he says he saw something standing there, thought it was a person. And then when he got down there and everybody was still inside playing playing card games, and he so he didn't even ask because he didn't want to scare anybody. That's really interesting. And and all of this has just been happening within the last year, you said, or last two years? Yeah. And, the, like, that's what, because actually what got me into the, to finding this podcast, though, was when I looked up for the the thing about the lights, and it would have been, I think you you had just released that episode. Tell us about the lights. Okay. Um. Yeah, my it would have been because I've got three younger brothers and it would have been the youngest two brothers I would when I would get off work Friday a lot of the time I would I would go pick up this I was still still together with my son's mom and I would go pick up her daughter and our son at daycare until she got off work and then when she'd get off work Friday night I would uh, go out if she didn't come out, I would go out with just the kids um, to my dad's house, and we'd stay the night, so then I could work. I've got all, like, different vehicles and dirt bikes and stuff that are out at my dad's where I live in town. And so I was already out there, and my little brothers were on their way. they call, like, freaking out, and they're like, there's, there's a light over top of the house. And I was like, what? Yeah, there's, it looks like a, a baby moon floating over top of the house. And I was like, well, is it, I was like, is it still there? So I, was, we're, I don't know. We're driving by. Go run out quick. Run outside quick and look. So I get out, come through the garage in the house, walk through the house and walk out the front door. And by the time I get out there, there's nothing out there. And... But they were scared enough. They didn't want to stop, and they kept driving. So they were like four or five miles from the house already. By the time I come outside and was like, well, I don't see anything. There's nothing nothing over the house. And it was kind of just like making fun of them, kind of teasing them about. I was like, yeah, you guys are just trying to scare me. You're making stuff up. And nothing they didn't say much more about it like they mentioned it to my dad and he just kind of like what it was a week later i was out here by myself 
I had went, I was outside in the other garage and I started closing it up in the dark and didn't have any yard light on. I just happened to look, look to the, um, west of my dad's house. And from his house, you can see the, where the dirt road is. There's a little hill with two banks on each side. That's white rock. And when a car will come over, you'll see the car's headlights shine, lighting up that white rock before the car comes over the hill. And I could kind of see this light on the rock, but couldn't hear a car coming. So that's why I was kind of like stopping looking. And it was almost like this light just kind of like kind of floated up to the top of that hill and just like stopped. And as soon as I kind of like, the shock of seeing the light and was like, what the heck? It just like stopped moving and set at the top of the hill. And I said, they're kind of looking at it and started like walking out across this grass field area towards it. And then kind of like we're sitting here like, wait, what the heck am I doing? I don't know what the heck that is. And cause you couldn't see, you could see that it was putting off light, but you couldn't, couldn't necessarily see through the ball of light, but it wasn't like a super bright, wasn't like a spotlight or a headlight of a car, but it was putting off light where them white rocks were lighting up around it. And so I just kind of turned around and headed for the house after I started getting creeped out and didn't turn around, didn't look back, don't know where it went. And then my, um, my ex showed up with the kids, like, cause that's why I thought it was them coming. They showed up with the kids and I went out, like still kind of freaked out, went out and helped her unload the kids and get them in the house quick. And then I told her after we'd got them all in the house that what had happened, what I saw. And she thought the same thing it was kind of like what my brothers thought that I was trying to scare them or trying to scare her. I can't remember if it was a week later or the next weekend later, or if it was literally like that Sunday night when we were getting ready to leave. But that's then that's the next time I saw the thing. And that was the more, more active and more creepy incident with the light. We were loading kids up in the car and I was, I was leaning down in the car, putting my son in his car seat, and she all of a sudden just like starts like frantically tapping me on the back, and she's like, "Is that the light? Is that the light you're talking about?" And so I like pull out of the car quick, and here's the same like same looking light, but it's a lot closer to the house, out in the middle of this uh, hay field, and you could sit there and like. I kept trying, I went and ran in and got binoculars because it was just sitting there like on the side of the hill and there's nothing, nothing out there. And where the pivot, center pivot is, the end of the pivot isn't even anywhere near, either both ends of the pivot are never even near where the thing was at. So I knew it wasn't something like the pivot light. So I ran in the house and grabbed a pair of my dad's binoculars and trying to get the thing centered in the middle of the binoculars at night and actually zoom in to see if I can see what it was. By the time I'd sit there and not get anything in, I'd pull them down, 
and you could see I pulled down to look again, and the direction I was looking when I could have swore it was first that it would be a couple yards to the um, south of where it had last been. So it was like slowly moving along, and that after you keep kept watching, you could actually watch it kind of slowly move along through that canyon. Well, the whole time this is happening, like without even realizing it, I was still like just kept walking closer and closer and closer until I'm like clear out from the house. And I didn't realize it until she had said, she hollered, uh, what are you doing clear out there? Come back. And I turned and looked that far. I was away from the house and was kind of like, oh, crap, I've wandered this far out from the house and I was sitting there watching this thing that I don't know what the heck it is. But what tripped me out was that every time you tried to look at it, it would seem like it tried to move and wouldn't let you see it. That's really interesting. I wasn't a big believer in the in the balls of light or however people want to describe them until I saw them for myself and actually filmed it. And it's weird, man. I, I don't know what they are. I don't know what I, I can tell you from my own experience. They seem to be intelligently controlled. I mean, they didn't just fly at random from what I saw. Yeah, same here. I wanted to ask you, how how big do you think the light was? I mean, as far as size goes, and what color was it? It was like a, like, the the first one was like almost a white, like a white light. But the second, it kind of had a bluish, like a light blue tint to it. Both of them were about... I'd say, like, size-wise, we're probably about, from that distance, it had to have been probably about the size of, like, either a golf ball or a beach ball. And, but that it was, you could tell that it was a solid, looked like, literally looked like when you have a full moon. Like, the, you could tell it was putting off light, but it wasn't, didn't seem like it was a source of light, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, and, and I want to try and define that for the audience, because if you haven't seen it, it's really hard to explain that to someone, because what you just said makes complete sense to me. But I think if I'd never seen seen it, I'd have no idea what you mean. I know, like, in the light that we saw, it was a definite light, but it was weird. It would light things up around it, but it was very ambient. It wasn't like um, a flashlight. It wasn't um, like car headlights. It was just different. Yeah, the, the light that it put off was very ambient. It was a real soft, ambient-type color, and it would light things up as it went past it, but it was more ambient than a light. I I, I hope that clarifies what you just said, because I get completely what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, that's like exact, pretty much exactly. Like, yeah, it wasn't like a flashlight or something, because I've been out before and had people, like, met, like out where we ride motorcycles in the same, more or less the same forested area that the cabin is in. There's government land that you can ride motorcycles in. And there's been times like where we were coming back and it was starting to get dark and you've met hikers and stuff that are out there with flashlights. And that one time like that met somebody coming up over a hill with a flashlight. And I mean, that was blinding seeing a flashlight coming over a hill where you're just used to the, little light on the front of a, a dirt bike and it was like wow knew that there was somebody coming up so start slowing down and yeah this light was it wasn't even like it wasn't blinding at all it was just yeah real dim 
dim light, but yeah, like you said, you could see the stuff lighting up around it. Yeah, it's a real soft light. Keep me up to date. Let me know what else you find out there. If anything else strange happens, or you know, even if you see the lights again, keep me up to date with what's going on out there. And I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing it, Seth. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. And that's it for tonight, everyone. Remember, if you've had an encounter, shoot me an email. My email address is wes at sasquatchchronicles.com. And if you get a chance, please check out sasquatchchronicles.com. Become a member, help support the show. Until next time, everyone, have a great night. Some tone.